Rink-wide Vancouver, pre-game, post-game, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to free casino games. Make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pat here with you to wrap up the first round of the NHL draft. And one thing we did not hear today, J-Pat, is we have a trade to announce, which is very interesting. We did hear that this was a deep draft, however, and clearly teams around the NHL uh, thought the same. The Canucks take... Tom Willander, and congratulations. Mm-hmm. That was your pick. It's podcast. Can't see me, but uh, big old backpack <laughs> here. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> we did see you take the or make the pick, that is, on our YouTube channel. We had that up today. Uh, we'll do a full recap of this whole draft on YouTube a little bit uh, later on once it all wraps up. But uh, let's dive into what we uh, got from the Canucks tonight. And Tom Willander, a right shot defenseman out of Sweden. He's headed over to North America. He's going to play NCAA hockey next year. I'd say your instant reaction right away, but I heard it already earlier today and all the reasons why uh, he makes sense for the Canucks. Uh, To me, he checks a box in terms of right shot defenseman, but also too, I think he was the best player available. Some people might argue that with me, but I think he was the best player available for the Canucks at 11 at that moment. Well, Connor Bedard went first overall, no surprise there. And then the fireworks started with the second pick by Anaheim taking Leo Carlson and then we saw a quick run of defensemen, a little bit uh, higher than I think some people thought. Uh, David Reinbacher, his name. Uh, if Easy for you to remind. say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Montreal <laughs> takes him, and then Simishev. And look, there was a fair bit of helium around uh, Simishev and the Canucks. And, you know, would he be there at 11? Well, the answer was no. He went sixth, which was a lot higher than anybody thought. So right there, things were starting to go off the board a little bit, and it meant that the Canucks were going to have options. But through it all, one of their options as it turns out, was, you know, the apple of their eye. And that was Tom Lander. He was there. They nabbed him. I, I like the pick. I do. Um, you know, he, he, yes, there was always this possibility that uh, Zach Benson was or should have been the guy. He was on the board. Chilliwack guy, 98 points in 60 games in the Western Hockey League. And there's going to be the danger of overlooking the local, but... Uh, the Canucks needed a right shot defenseman. They need help on the blue line. Everybody in hockey knows that. And so for a lot of the reasons I laid out, Swedish general manager, Swedish uh, scout and Thomas Grenin went to Sweden last year for Jonathan Lekaramaki. Uh, all those reasons, it just kind of felt like they were locked on to Tom Lander. And I like the pick. I, I, I like what I've seen in him, what I know of him. And then listening to him, and you're going to hear some clips from him shortly here. Andrew, I was blown away by this guy. 18 years of age, the maturity, the poise, sense of humor, the confidence, like a really engaging interview. And that's not always the case, especially for a guy that, you know, English is a second language, obviously, but full command of it. He's going to Boston U next year. So, uh, you know, he's got the the IQ on and off the ice. And I just think this was a really, it was a, a fairly safe pick for the Canucks. But I think it was the right pick for the Vancouver Canucks. And hopefully, you know, that'll bear itself out over years to come. You know, is it going to be one year at BU? Is it going to take a couple of years? The NCAA path There's a, a year at college and a year in the American Hockey League. Or is he ready to play in the National Hockey League, you know, just over a year from now? All of that will be determined. We know that the Canucks have uh, spent on player development. Mike Komasarek uh, himself, uh, a college hockey product who played in the National Hockey League, a first rounder. You know, he'll get his hands on uh, and a lot of looks on Tom Lander at Boston University, as will other members of the Canucks management group. But I, I think the Canucks, uh, they should be pretty happy with their night on the draft floor. And we'll see what, you know, day two 
Uh, means to the Canucks. They've still got a bunch of picks in the third and fourth rounds. They don't have a second rounder. But uh, coming into this one, you know, for me, it was important that they kept... Oh, it was important that they had a first-round pick. I, I was prepared to see them pedal back. And in fact, when there was those options at 11, you know, and it sounded like there was a conversation with Buffalo at the very least, um, you know... It, they needed to come out of this with a first rounder. They had traded the first round pick the last couple of years, hadn't taken a defenseman with a first rounder since Quinn Hughes in 2018. So they were overdue and they get a right shot guy that should be a top four fixture for a lot of years if all goes well with Tom Melander. Yeah, Tom Melander is going to play with a few good players there at Boston University as well. He is the seventh drafted player that is on the current roster. And oh, yeah. Macklin Celebrini <laughs> as well on that roster. And of course, he is the projected first overall pick in next year's draft. But uh, let's stick on this year's. Uh, like I said, some people might argue with me that he probably, or they might think that he might not be the best player available at that moment at 11 when the Canucks picked. And I think we'll probably be looking at uh, someone like Zach Benson, of course, the local product. But to me, he just didn't make sense for where the Canucks are right now in terms of what they need and I know a lot of people say, no, no, you have to get the best player available. But in this regard, like I said, like this is a very good player and an absolute need for the Vancouver Canucks. They got to put somebody uh, alongside Quinn Hughes in the future here. And of course, Ronick is there as well. But we know that blue line. It's porous and they got to be able to uh, build it up. So I think it's a strong pick uh, by the Vancouver Canucks. Some interesting picks before him yep. with Shimashev going sixth overall. Uh, we can get into that a little bit later on here in the pod with some of the highlights of the evening because there were some. Yep, oh, absolutely. Including Carey Price. <laughs> yeah, and I think, too, interesting. I mean, a lot of people, I think a lot of Canuck fans were keeping an eye on Detroit and what they did with the mm -hmm. pick that the Canucks peddled to the Red Wings to get Philip Ronick. And interesting that the Red Wings took a guy that was linked to the Canucks in Axel Sandin Pelica, a right-shot defenseman. Well, the Red Wings moved a right-shot defenseman in Philip Ronick to get that first rounder. So, you know, a bunch of sort of connect to dots in that regard, and we'll see how Sandy Pelica develops for the Red Wings. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think there were a lot of people that uh, you know were pretty keen on seeing what happened a little bit later in the teens in this draft, thinking that oh, what might have been had the Canucks had two first, first rounders. But look, I, I want to give Philip Ronick every opportunity. The guy's twenty five years of age. He's established in the NHL. He's going to help the Canucks. They paid a price. It was always going to cost a price to get a right shot guy uh, in that age group. It's just a question of was it the right move for this team at the point that they're in in their evolution or could have they benefited from having two first rounders and having two guys grow sort of in the same group but uh, we know there's some impatience to try to get this thing moving along and so yeah it's gonna be really interesting to watch the development path of Tom Willander now again is it just one year in university and then turn pro and if so does that mean he needs a year in the American Hockey League or is this guy as the 11th overall selection is he going to be ready to play in the National Hockey League uh, just over a year from now, and we'll find out. But uh, he's going to be in North America. It's going to make it a little easier for people to chart and follow him. And uh, again, when you hear him, you can just tell. Like, this is a guy that uh, is in tune with his game. I uh, said he grew up watching the Canucks from a pretty young age because of the Sedins, but he also liked the logo. Um, you know, interestingly, he said, like, I, you know, I'm a little different in as much... I like basketball. He said, you don't find a lot of Swedes who would tell you that basketball is their sort of favorite sport. But he said Kobe was his guy. Uh, he surfs, too. I've got to find out a little bit more of that. Uh, not sure what the waves are like. Uh, Sweden's a country of like a thousand islands, but uh, I'm not sure how much surfing goes on or where he does his surfing. But, you know, I mean, again, it's kind of interesting. He revealed 
couple of layers about himself and just a really well-spoken kid. I just really enjoyed listening to uh, his post-draft uh, media scrum and we're going to see him here next week. He's uh, on his way to development camp that's going to be out at UBC. So uh, we'll have a chance to talk to him and Canuck fans uh, can see him for themselves uh, out on the ice of that uh, summer development camp. Well, he better bring a surfboard. Go yeah, to Tofino, yeah. hit some exactly. water waves there. Although they're better in the winter from what I hear out in Tofino, though. Not getting in the ocean in the winter. All right, let's hear from uh, Patrick Alvin, though, on Willander and just why. Why did they select Tom Willander? He was a guy they, they uh, the scouts were uh, started of the start of the season, uh, start talking about, and then uh, they just grow and grow on him. Um, I think his, uh, his, his, obviously his position, his right shot defenseman, uh, his, his, his mobility, his, his ability to skate, defend, uh, compete, uh, just a natural, natural athlete um, going to Boston University too. So that was a nice package there. I, I know that uh, the Axel Sandin Pelica was a name that um, a lot of people were batting around when it came to the Canucks. Of course, right shot D as well uh, as being from Sweden. I thought that maybe perhaps the size was going to be an issue with him. And it just yep. seems like Will Lander sort of checks that box when it comes to Rick Tockett. Yeah, I mean, he's not huge, 6'1", 180, but he'll fill out. He's 18 years of age. I don't know how much taller he'll get, but I have to think that, you know, he'll be closer to a 200-pounder when he gets to the National Hockey League. Uh, Again, for the people that, you know, just know these as names and maybe weren't following, one of the real storylines on Tom Olander was his development in the second half of his season over in the Swedish Junior League and, you know, just came into his own. Uh, I think TSN had him ranked 46th in their midterm rankings or the Craigslist at 46. His final projection on the TSN rankings was 20th. So he went higher than some expected, but I think Craig Button had him at 11 on his final Craigslist. So it was, you know, some might say a reach, if so, a little bit, but again, organizational need mixed with best player that was still on the board. And when Simashev was gone, uh, yeah, I just think it made it a pretty easy selection for the Vancouver Canucks and, Look, there's a lot to crap on the Canucks about uh, for their play on the ice, but I, I kind of feel like, for the most part, there's universal, I don't know if I can ever say agreement in Canucks Twitter, but uh, a, a universal understanding that this is a pick that makes sense for this hockey club at this point. Yeah, the lowest ranking that he had, and this is uh, from Elite Prospects, they've got all the different uh, lists here, was Craig Button's list. Had him ranked as low as 8th. And a lot of people had him, yeah, from that like 13 to 20 sort of spot. So uh, Canucks getting Tom Willander there at 11th. We will hear from some of the folks on Twitter, by the way, as we ask for their instant reaction. We'll get to some of those uh, just a bit here on the pod. You talked about that second half growth. Willander talked about that after the, he was drafted today. I'd say I just kind of, um, I just kind of, you know, received the results from my training at that point. Um, I feel like it was a little bit slow in the beginning, uh, but you know, putting the hours down, uh, being a lot serious about my, my practice, I feel like that's kind of where, where he took a leap, um, and where kind of where I kind of saw the result. So I mean, perfect English for one thing. He's got that no. mastered. Uh, Sounds like he's from Saskatchewan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Might have the size to be from Saskatchewan as well. Uh, maybe a short a few inches, but uh, no. I mean, you got to like what you hear there. And again, like this is the kind of player that recognizes that hey, there's still more to give in my game. Yeah, without a doubt. And we'll hear from him on his decision to go to BU. And I think uh, it speaks volumes about this guy wants to get into the North American system uh, as soon as possible. And I think that's great, too. Like, you know, again, 
20 years ago, maybe you didn't have as much control as a club. I mean, the Canucks have Michael Samuelson over in Sweden. He's going to be working with like Aramaki and the other Elias Pettersson and those types of things. So if he had stayed back in Sweden, they would have had hands on there. But, you know, it, again, this just makes it easier for Canucks management to get in, to see him in person uh, at BU or road games for, for BU and Mike Komisarek too. Uh, but I just like that this guy, this kid wants to be over here. Some players... You know, it's tougher for them to leave home. And I understand they're teenagers. Like, it's a big life decision. This guy, want, he's like on the fast path. He wants to get there and get acclimated to smaller rinks, North American ice, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's really going to benefit him uh, in the short term and hopefully uh, in the long run. Well, let's hear from him uh, going on that NCAA route. Um, I'd say just for me personally, I think it's a better fit. Um, I feel like I have a lot of development left to do, um, you know, uh, getting a bit heavier. Um, but also, you know, skills-wise, um, I feel like I have a bit to go. Um, and just, you know, uh, the NCAA being, uh, teams being a bit more um, towards the development side, uh, contrary to the, to the SHL teams, uh, I feel like that was a good route for me. Yeah, absolutely. That was the thing that stood out to me the most when we started diving into uh, these prospects and taking a look at guys that potentially could be with the Canucks. I really like the fact that he's choosing the NCAA route. It's You mentioned it's not a, a natural path for a lot of these guys to take, but it uh, sounds to me like this kid likes to, I don't want to say take a risk, but sort of maybe step out of his comfort zone. And if you're a Canucks fan, that's probably something you like to hear uh, when it comes to a young prospect. Here's the GM, though on Willander uh, heading to the NCAA. When we talked with him and, and met with him, he mentioned uh, the quality ice time. Uh, I think it's, it's uh, you see a lot of younger players over in, in Europe not getting uh, the minutes they, they deserve and maybe not getting the opportunities. And I think that's why he, why he was excited about going to BU, uh, competing against top players, uh, uh, the the develop, U.S. development team had a lot of players going into B.C., uh, so he's looking forward for that that challenge and the opportunity to play big minutes there. Yeah, I wonder if this will change some of the uh, thoughts of the, some of these young these players from Europe instead of sort of sticking with their club programs over there, you know, to make that trek over to play NCAA hockey, which is fantastic hockey. And Alvin's right; like he's probably going to get a heck of a lot more opportunity there than he would in the SHL. Yeah, look, the SHL's big time. Like it's pro hockey, yeah. and yeah. they're building teams there to win. And so an 18-year-old defenseman, even though he's got the chops, you know, they're going to pick spots for him. But here he's uh, in an age-appropriate environment, and he'll be young uh, on his BU team, but still he's playing with other guys that are 18, 19. You know, some of the veterans would be into third and fourth years. Um, but he should play. And I would think that Boston University is pretty happy to have him on the way and the influx of all those guys from that U.S. national development team as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, we went through this observing the growth and development of Vasily Pod Colson over in the KHL. And, you know, again, trying to play in the K as a teenager and the coaches, they're there to win and it's a trust thing and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I don't know if this is sort of the, you know, the leading edge of the curve. I mean, other guys have come from Europe to play college hockey. He's not the first in that regard, but you do wonder if we're going to see this path chosen more and more uh, as time moves along here. Well, Lander talked about the fact that he thinks he has to improve offensively, but Patrick Alvin let us in a little nugget about the player saying, well, he wasn't always a defenseman. He, he actually played forward up to two years ago, so so he, he, he has the ability to be uh, uh, producing and being involved in the, in the offensive game. Uh, what I do like, though, is his commitment and how he competes and how he's able to uh, uh, 
play against top players, uh, defending well, um, just with his IQ and his, uh, his mobility there. And the beauty of the Vancouver Canucks is you've got Quinn Hughes. He can take on those offensive responsibilities yeah. uh, if needed. So uh, I think, again, like a good piece for the Canucks to add in terms of need there. But again, he's just a young player and these sort of things can develop, especially on the offensive side and going to a place like BU where he'll get more chops and maybe some power play time as well to be able to develop into that player. Yeah, he said he sounded like a guy from Saskatchewan. Maybe he'll uh, pick up a little bit of the Boston well, Boston oh, accent. He'll arrive in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. um, straight out of like a Matt Damon, Ben Affleck movie. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Quinn Hughes. I mean, I guess I can foresee, you know, a few years down the road, uh, maybe he's a caddy for Quinn Hughes. Maybe he's that right side partner that they're looking for if they want to keep Philip Ronick and try and spread out uh, the depth that they've got there. We're getting ahead of ourselves because he's not coming and he's not playing next season, but... You know, Quinn Hughes is under contract for a, a bunch more years, and if the Canucks uh, uh, grow and, and Willander develops the way that uh, they hope, then I could see that potentially, um, you know, let Quinn Hughes do his thing offensively and just have this sturdy, reliable, dependable guy uh, that plays well at both ends of the ice. I mean, you know, that's why, like, we've been saying for a while, like, you know, whether it's Ethan Bear or Noah Juleson or, you know, whoever, um Quinn Hughes is going to make them better just because he's a special player, but don't settle on those players as the perfect fit if you could find a better player to partner and compliment Quinn Hughes. And and I think Willander, you know, he profiles that way. Again, fair bit that has to happen before we're going to see them share NHL ice together, but uh, I could see that somewhere down the road. Well, he models his game after a very good defenseman who's got some offensive chops as well. Uh, here's Willander and who he uh, likes in the NHL. Well, I, I, I try to model my game after Miro Heiskanen. I uh, feel like he has similar strength uh, uh, as me uh, in his skating. Um, I think he's a great two-way defender. Um, he's good in the D zone, uh, isn't too flashy, um, but very effective in the offensive zone. Um, I think for me, um, I feel like uh, probably my offensive side uh, is uh, my weakest one right now. Uh, and it's for sure something I'm looking to, to build up. So. You must be salivating when you hear that because I know how big of a fan yeah. you are when it comes to yeah, ice People know that I, I love to watch his skating. I don't think he's quite as polished or slick when it comes to the skating. I mean, that is really the secret sauce for Miro Heiskanen. But uh, damn, Heiskanen is a, a hell of a player. Now, he went you know third overall in his draft class, Willander, a little further down. But still, um, I, I like that. I mean, that's a good guy to model, although it's, it makes me feel old when guys being drafted, you know, they're already using... It's so crazy today to hear players, you know, oh, I grew up watching Connor McDavid. What? McDavid was just drafted eight years ago. But, you know, like the guys that are getting drafted today, I mean, eight years ago, they were 10 years old. So, yeah, that's who they would have latched on to, uh, you know, as they really started to get serious about hockey. So time marches on, father time undefeated. And yes, if uh, a player in this draft class grows up watching and modeling himself after Miro Heiskanen, so be it. And wouldn't it be something if he comes anywhere close to the player that Heiskanen has already developed into? Well, Willander, though, did pay homage to uh, some Swedes that played for the Canucks that uh, you might have heard of before. Uh, here's a Willander on uh, following the Canucks uh, as he was growing up. Vancouver was actually my first, my first ever team that uh, I started cheering for. I'd say mainly because of uh, the Sedins, obviously, being probably the, mo the most dominant pair of players ever. Um, but I guess also I thought the logo was cool. <laughs> so I got a bit nostalgic seeing it up on the stage. Um, so it's a lot of fun.
Yeah, I mean, listen, those ties, they run deep when it comes to Sweden. But uh, when, listen, when you have the Sedin twins in your franchise for so many years that the Vancouver Canucks have, and the fact that Willander will now potentially get to work with them, I mean, that's got to be a big plus for the young Swede. Yeah, he's going to get to share ice with them, I think, next week. I believe they're allowed. Oh, they're, they're not right. going yeah. to get slapped yeah. with a fine for this one. This is a sanctioned development yeah. camp that, <laughs> that every team is permitted to have. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I would be, unless Daniel's still running the gross grind, uh, through the night and onto his like five hundredth <laughs> trip for the for the week. Um, no, the Sedins will be out there. Uh, development camp's funny if it's the same as last year, and it probably will be uh, between the Abbotsford coaching staff and the support staff of the Sedins and Ryan Johnson and goaltending coaches and there's like ten or fifteen coaches on the ice uh, for the kids that they bring in. We haven't seen the roster yet, but uh, I think Willander uh, he'll be on it front and center, and I would think uh, you know and Larry Karamaki should be over here as well. Um, you know those guys will get a lot of attention, obviously. But what a cool moment uh, for a young Swede who grew up watching the Sedins to get to share the ice with them for the first time. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. If you missed it, shame on you, by the way, because we've been pumping out the podcast here uh, throughout the offseason, but uh, we did announce that we got a new partner, the Applewood Auto Group, the new official auto group of Rinkwide Vancouver. And of course, it's all good at Applewood, J-Pat. Yeah, we saw all those uh, kids, the first rounders, you know, fresh off the showroom floor at the NHL draft. And if you're in the market for a new vehicle, check out uh, Applewood Auto Group. And uh, yeah, maybe you drive yourself away in a, a brand new ride. We asked the fans, what's your instant reaction to the Canucks selecting, selecting Tom Melander with the 11th overall pick? And a lot of people are into it. Some people uh, thinking that maybe they should have went for uh, the local product. Uh, Zach Benson. Chris says, very happy, exactly what we needed and not an off-the-board selection. I think he's right there. Uh, Caro says, let's hope he's another Edler or Oland. We like our Swedish D in this town. Uh, Trevor says, best player available and best player for club needs. W on the paper. Uh, Chris says, love it, position of need and really close to uh, BPA. And then we also have Busman say, it's so meh. Can't believe passing on Benson and not being able to trade down and collect more assets in the process. So let's just stop there for a moment. It, I don't think neither of us were surprised that they didn't do anything in terms of trading this pick. Like They let us know that they were going to make it. Now, of course, that could change. But they were pretty defined in terms of, no, we are going to make this selection at 11th overall. 
Yeah, we heard from Patrick Alvino on Tuesday, sort of 24 hours out from the draft, and he had made it clear then that, you know, I think he had done his uh, due diligence and kicked some tires and found out that it was just going to be prohibitive to move up. Plus, you don't know what's going to happen with those 10 picks in front of you. Like, your guy, Nate Danielson, would have been a, a, a totally worthy choice for the Canucks. He goes ninth. So he, not a lot of people had him sliding into the top 10, uh, but the Detroit Red Wings saw him at 10 and decided to pounce there. Uh, you know, Mitchkoff obviously was a little bit of a wild card and hung around longer than some people thought, but part of that was Arizona. Uh, you never know what the crazy Coyotes are going to do, and they go Simashev at 6 and then surprised uh, again with a pick right after the Canucks at 12. So, uh, you know, Zach Benson didn't go right after the Canucks. There was uh, one buffer pick at the very least, but people are still going to watch and compare, and I hope it works out for Zach Benson. I mean, 98 points in the Western Hockey League. Uh, that's nothing to sneeze at, but as you said, he's a winger. Their last bunch of picks were wingers. We know that they're heavy at the wing position. And sure, you can never have too much talent and you can move other guys, or so you think. They've been trying to move wingers for a while. Um, yeah, it just at this point, it just didn't feel like the right pick. I mean, they denied and ignored the defense position in the draft and really the center ice position. You just, I think anybody that had the pulse on the Canucks knew that this year, it was going to be a centerman or a, a defenseman, and it turned out that the defenseman that they coveted was still there, uh, and so I, I just think it was the right choice for them. Like Again, I, I, he may not work out. I could fall flat on my face here. Uh, I hope that's not the case for them because I, I want them to get better and, and have good players, um, but it's just too too soon. You know, you cannot declare winners on the opening night of the draft. I mean, people will do those columns of winners and losers, but ultimately, you know, it'll be a while before we truly know how guys are going to shake out at the NHL level. You know what's the risk of doing those uh, winners and losers as well is that freezing cold takes uh, account on Twitter. They'll come hunting they for you. They get exposed. Yep. <laughs> They'll yep. come hunting for you. I stay away from making any of those uh, lists. Um what do you think the, the – because we had someone here say I'll, – I'll quote it. It's a Randy Sand, best skating D in the draft, a right-hand shot, smart, uber-competitive. He could be a rare breed or, worst case, a four or five. Do you agree with that, worst case, four or five? Yeah. I, I, I knew – like, you know, again, I, I'd seen somewhere – I wish I had been able to recall where I saw it. But, you know, Dan Hamhuis' comparison, I just think that sort of paints a picture for Vancouver fans who remember – Dan Hamhuis was never the flashiest guy. You didn't buy a ticket to go see Dan Hamhuis, but damn, the guy was consistent. Uh, he was reliable. You know, he had some offensive uh, parts to his game. He had a couple of seasons where he pushed 40 points. You know, I think that's kind of what you're looking at. Uh, again, they've got Quinn Hughes. They they don't need another 70 or 80 point defenseman, but if you can get 40 points from Willander, you know, Philip Hironic hits as well. Uh, you know, you know me. I've spent a lot of time talking about uh, offensive generation, certainly goal scoring. But uh, I want to see the Canucks get some guys that you know can jump up into the rush, be that second wave of offense, that fourth man to the attack. Like that's where I think Quinn Hughes should be able to generate more offense. It's not a big boom and slap shot. He's not going to beat goalies cleanly, but he is so supremely talented in the way that he skates and can get back in the play if the puck turns up ice. I'd like to see him take a few risks, be the the trailer on a few more plays, and make some things happen. And I think Willander, at some point in his career, he can probably step in and fill that type of role as well. So, you know, if he turns out to be a fifth defenseman, that's a little disappointing with an 11th overall pick. But, you know, if that's the low end, you're still going to have a guy that uh, can play and play a lot. Now, I know I've seen other people say, oh, you know, they're going for the safe pick. They tried that with Ole Alevi. How did that pan out? Enough. Like, Ole Levy was a bust. It happens. 
but it doesn't mean you don't pick defensemen ever again. Like, you know, just because the Canucks have been burned in free agency doesn't mean you stop spending some of your money to try to improve. Just spend it wiser. Do it properly. And so you hope that the work is done here. Um, you know, I don't want to revisit the Alevi situation, but there's, to me, that's not fair to Tom Olander. There's no comparison. Uh, yes, they play defense, but they're opposite sides, different hands. And I don't know, like there were some knocks on Ole Alevi right from the moment that he was drafted. And obviously it didn't help that Matthew Kachuk went one pick after him. Um, you're always going to be compared to the guys that uh, the company keeps. So that's why Benson, you know, a local boy, uh, there's certainly a story to watch there. But uh, no, again, I'll keep coming back to it. Uh, I think this was a good night for the Vancouver Canucks. And we haven't been able to say that uh, nearly enough over the last bunch of years. And if he ends up being you know, top four defenseman for the Canucks and, you know, X many years and Zach Benson ends up becoming this great, good scorer for the Buffalo Sabres, I mean, to me, that's win-win. And where the Canucks are right now, like, I, I mean, again, like I said off the top of the show, just Benson didn't make sense for them. However, you know, with Willander, you talked about he's, he'll go to BU and then, you know, we'll see how many years he does there. AHL, like... How many years do you think Canuck fans realistically are going to have to wait for this player? I'm thinking somewhere around three. I hope it's not that long for an 11th overall pick. Um, you know, does the second half of last year give you a sense that he can pick up where he left off and, and maybe accelerate his development? I guess we'll find out. Changing leagues and changing countries, like there's going to be a culture shock. There's no doubt. But again, seems like he's just got such a, a good head on his shoulders here. Smart guy. I think he'll get it sorted out and figured out. I'd like to think two years of development from this point forward. Um, you know, you're looking at Elias Patterson. He's going to turn 25 in the fall. Quinn Hughes turns 24. Like, it's go time. And, you know, you're not going to insert this guy into the lineup next season. But if the Canucks are going to surround Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes with better players, they're going to make this team competitive. They still have to make this, like, franchise crucial pitch to Elias Patterson this offseason and all of a sudden, unknowingly to Tom Melander, like he becomes central to that storyline, right? Like he was the first round pick here. Like this is a guy that they believe in, and I'm sure that uh, he'll be included in whatever they try to sell to the Pedersen camp. So that's why day two is important. We'll see if they can somehow squeeze into the second round. They've got all the picks in the third and fourth. Can they package some of them up and try to move up higher and get another player? Uh, you know, we'll see how all that plays out. But just remember, this is the backdrop that they really haven't even started the pitch to Elias Pedersen and whoever they took with their first rounder. Like he's part of the future, the Vancouver Canucks, and they're going to need him to land as a player to help support these stars that they already have here. So, yeah, um, you know, that just comes with the territory of joining this organization. You become part of a pitch to Elias Pedersen to stay and play here uh, for his uh, foreseeable future. So, kid, uh, no pressure, but uh, hurry it up, all right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> the BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks, and kids 17 and under can get in for 15 So bring the noise. Fill the Dome.
NHL draft first round highlights. J-Pad, I want to get to those in just a moment, but they are presented by our buddy Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. Yeah, and no teams really mortgage their future here by trading up in this draft. That was a surprise. Generally, uh, you see and hear the commission talk about the trades that he has to announce, but that did not happen. Maybe day two will bring some fireworks, but uh, speaking of mortgaging the future, if you're in the housing market and you've listened to Rinkwide, you know that we talk about our mortgage specialist, Jason Hominick. He is there to help, just as all these first-rounders are there to help their new teams. So if you need some help in the mortgage game or renewal or... Uh, you're getting into the, the housing market for the first time. Jason Hominick's your guy. Check him out online. Reach out to him. His contact info is on his easy-to-remember website, Jason Hominick at Jason.mortgage. What's with uh, former Vesnich-winning goaltenders having a hard time pronouncing their teams, or I guess, well, I guess they're still part of the organization, uh, teams' draft picks. Carey Price and Pekka Rene both fumbling the announcement of the Habs and the Predators uh, picks, which I thought was kind of funny. Carey Price fully froze up there, uh, which, of course, set Twitter on fire. My pick went ninth overall, which uh, I know that some people... I thought I was reaching a little bit with Danielson at 11. I did like what I saw from the player. I thought he would be a safe pick for them, as I explained on our YouTube uh, video, but he goes ninth overall there. I thought that was a, a, a pretty interesting, but Shimashev seems to be the one that sort of stunned the first round. When they announced him at six, the look on his face, even he was like, what, me? <laughs> Going to Arizona? So yeah. uh, interesting there. Well, and remember the Coyotes reached for Barrett Hayton a couple of years ago. Uh, this felt like a reach with Shimashev. And look, the guy's a stud. Like he, he's a 6'4 and close to 200 pounds already. Um he looks like a can't miss prospect, but I just wonder, they had the 12th pick as well. Like, would he not have been there for them at 12? They didn't want to run that risk. So they took him. Reinbacher went a little higher than I think some people thought as well. Uh, but he went first among defensemen in the draft. So not a surprise in that regard. Uh, I, I think Chicago had an outstanding night. I mean, obviously the no-brainer getting Connor Bedard. But then without having to move off that 19th pick, to get Oliver Moore regarded by most as the best pure skater in the draft. Like, you want to start your rebuild? You got Connor Bedard, and then you get an absolute jet setter in Oliver Moore. Uh, like those picks for the Chicago Blackhawks, so I think they did well. Uh, Matthew Wood, kid from Nanaimo, ends up with the Nashville Predators, the hometown team there, so kind of a cool moment for him. Um Andrew Crystal didn't go. We talked about all the Vancouver guys at the top of the draft class. A little surprise, but he'll hear his name early on day two, and somebody's going to land a really good player. Uh, Samuel Hanzik of the Vancouver Giants went to the Calgary Flames, so a Western Hockey League guy uh, not far from home to the Flames and with what's going on there and maybe a full-on rebuild. Maybe that's a good opportunity for him in the years to come, so uh, a little bit of a a local tie there. No goaltenders go on day one of the draft. Not a huge surprise. This wasn't thought to be a draft class that uh, was full of goalies, but usually you see somebody that plays the position go on the opening night. So, uh, yeah, I mean, those are some of the things that uh, stick out with me when we talked earlier about, you know, winners and losers. I, I, I'm i a little bit res- reluctant to go down that road, but I, I do think the Chicago Blackhawks were always going to be the winner of this draft because they had the first pick and they, they had the golden boy, but for them to get Oliver Moore as well uh, seemed like some really good work in Philadelphia getting Mitchkov. And we, you know, where was he going to land uh, for him to be there at seventh? There are a lot of people that are saying like in a couple of years, they're going to feel like they had one of the top couple of picks in this draft. And I guess too, 
Leo Carlson. I mean, I don't think Anaheim could go wrong with uh, Fantilli or Carlson, but uh, Columbus has to be over the moon to get Adam Fantilli, a Michigan guy. Ken Johnson's a Michigan guy. Zach Warensky's a Michigan guy. Nick Blankenberg is a Michigan guy. Like, they're basically just turning the Michigan Wolverines program uh, pro, uh, you know, in a, a city that's known for the Ohio State University, but uh, Columbus dipping into that pipeline out of the U of M. And uh, they get an incredible one in Adam Fantilli, who just looks pro ready. Like when he strutted up there on stage, I was like, that guy looks like he's 28 years old already and ready to go. So uh, CBJ, you know, pretty happy. I think that uh, uh, he, hard to call it falling to them at three, but landed in their lap with that third overall. Yeah, I would say it's a a fall to three. I mean, even on the betting lines right now, as we went through them, um, as we were leading up to the draft here, Adam Fantilli was the odds on favorite to go second overall. And, he slips to three. Yeah, but we also, we were getting some hints out of the draft that Anaheim, like, keep an eye on Anaheim. We thought Mitchkoff possibly. So, you know, I wasn't shocked that uh, Anaheim did something a little bit differently. And again, it's going to be wild to watch. I mean, they're in the Pacific Division. They have work ahead of them, but uh, they are amassing so much good young talent in Anaheim. Uh, how quickly can they catch up to their crosstown rivals, the LA Kings? And beyond that, uh, you know, how long can it take them to get back in the game to, you know, be competitive in the uh, Pacific Division? Because, uh, you know, the Vancouver Canucks, at some point here, they're trying to make these steps forward, but so are teams like the Anaheim Ducks, the Seattle Kraken already. You can make the argument that the Kraken are ahead of the Canucks. So, uh, yeah, life gets uh, that much more difficult. Uh, and the San Jose Sharks, uh, you know, they had a couple of first rounders and uh, Will Smith. Uh, goes fourth overall. So, you know, the Sharks, they've got a, a lot of work ahead of them, but uh, this is where you do a lot of your team building is uh, in the first round of an NHL draft. I don't know if you noticed this, but when the Blues got to the podium, they just wasted no time. <laughs> they just got up and announced yeah. the pick. They didn't thank anybody, even uh, David Poyle. Everybody was giving praise to, nope, just went up and announced the pick right away. I loved that. I also loved Zach Benson's mullet, by the way. Well done there by the local product. I like Bill Guerin giving a nod to Tootsies. He was yes. the only one to address the elephant in the room. I mean, every picture out of Nashville, uh, and if you ever go to Nashville, like everybody goes to Tootsies. Well, it sounds like there's one bar there. Is it? Is it sort of like the allure of, or what used to be the allure of the Roxy? Yeah, I mean, there are so many bars on that strip of Broadway, but Tootsies is right at the top. It's sort of kitty corner from Bridgestone Arena, so as people pour out of the rink after a game, like it's right there. It's this pink facade like it stands out with the paint job on the outside and it's incredible i mean it's three bars in one it's three floors live bands on all three and just wall to wall you're just packed in there um i will admit i spent a couple of nights at tootsie some good nights in there and you know the way that it like country bar or country band on the first floor generally and then a lot of times it's just like a top 40 kind of cover band just rolling out the hits on the middle floor. And then who knows what you get upstairs. They got the rooftop patio. Um, it, it is funny. Like, it, it yes, it, it has sort of earned this mystique in Nashville on a street that probably has, in told, 40 bars in a six-block <laughs> radius. But the rest of them are like, what about us? <laughs> pretty much. But Tootsie's does seem to stand uh, above the rest there. So uh, it, it's on the list. Anybody that goes to Nashville and is looking for a good time, yeah, you've got to stop at Tootsie's. Is it a honky-tonk? Is it considered a honky-tonk? I think so, yeah. And again, I don't know the official definition. What I love about that strip of Broadway, though, is like from 10 in the morning 
it's just an they're all open and it's an opportunity for musicians trying to get discovered uh and they all have these big windows that are open to the street and i made the mistake early on when i was traveling with the canucks i, I guess i kind of got fooled nashville you know the grand Ole opry that it's all country but it's music city usa it's not country music city usa and a lot of these places like if country music's not your thing just walk to the next one and somebody will be there playing you know, the blues or pop or whatever, it's not entirely. I mean, yes, there is a heavy presence of country music, but it's Music City USA. And um, it's just so much, it's incredible how much talent there is sort of all in one spot. So many of them looking for that big break, trying to get discovered, much as the players were tonight in the first round of the NHL draft. Well, the Canuck fans are hoping that they won't be singing the blues with the rest of the picks that the Canucks make. They've got five coming up in the between the third and fourth round. No second round pick, as you mentioned. No fifth, no seventh. So they have six more picks to make here in the draft. We'll see what the Canucks do with all of that. And of course, we'll be covering it here on Rink-Wide Vancouver. All right. It's been another edition of the Rink-Wide Vancouver podcast presented by Bodog. For Jeff Patterson, I'm Andrew Watton. Remember, Rink-Wide. Sure.